podcast listeners, just letting you guys know, we had some internet trouble halfway through, so there will be a change in quality. I hope it doesn't distract too much, and I hope you still enjoy and can absorb a lot from today's episode. Here we go. Hey there, it's Carrie here from Wrap Your Head Around Silks. You're listening to the Expecting Aerialist podcast. Today we have Dr. Emily Sherb, the circus doc, with us again. I've asked her to come back to tackle the interesting topic of how relaxin, the hormone, plays a part in our training, prenatal, postpartum, and when we're breastfeeding. This is really interesting to me, and I know very little about this, so I'm so excited to be informed and learn some stuff today. Here we go. But um, so happy to have you back. So basically what has happened in the last couple weeks is I've had a number of people say to me, hey, Carrie, if you could have somebody on to talk about how relaxin plays a part, how it might play a part, how it, how we could hypothesize how it might play a yeah. part in all of these very sports-specific things that we do. And a lot of people have been asking me because it's kind of like this is what happens. Either a woman is prenatal and she's feeling really good and she's climbing, she's doing, you know, footlock stuff, maybe no drops, but like, you know, still in the practice, still doing some hammocks, still doing footlock splits. And then on the other end of it, we have our postpartum ladies who may or may not be breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, the only way we can figure this out is by asking each other, like, hey, did you feel this when you were six weeks out, when you were six months out? Like, why do I have no energy? Or is it because the breastfeeding, do I not have my strength back completely? What is the relaxant doing in my body? How is it playing a part with my hips and possible pubis symphysis and, uh-huh. and like the bones sliding <laughs> around? And how is it playing a part with my tightness and flexibility? And why am I tight right now? And it doesn't feel right. So I was like, okay, enough people have brought this to my attention, either just friends of mine or people on, you know, the Arrow Mamas Facebook page. They're like, hey, has anybody dealt with this? And I don't even know the answers to these questions. I don't know a lot of these answers. And I know when I asked you, you said, well, I know some stuff. Not all the things. I know some stuff. Yep. Um, I know. Yeah. I know some stuff. I did a little more research just to make sure I was like saying the right things. Like, I'm gonna make this up, right? Because like, like this is back in my brain somewhere. Like, words come out of my mouth, and I'm like, oh geez, <laughs> where did that? Where did that come from? Right? Like, was that a reliable source? Sure. Turns out everything I think I said was just good. Good. Um, <laughs> good. Happy to talk about you know relaxing how it affects pregnancy and postpartum and most likely breastfeeding um, and then just talk about, I'm happy to talk about the energy suck of breastfeeding, but I don't actually know much about that other than holy heck, it takes a lot of calories, but that's all I really know. And I don't really know how many more calories or whatever, but I bet you nutrition people do. Well, I think the number is like anywhere from like 300 to 700 a day. 
yeah. because I looked this up. It's a lot of work, man. Those boobs are doing a lot of work. They're doing the heavy lifting. Um, <laughs> the rest of you is doing heavy lifting too. Uh, the rest of me too. So, <laughs> so Emily, Dr. Emily, I'm going to guide you through this. So, uh, this is going to be a shorty. I am also considering bringing an OB on to do kind of like the second half of this topic, whether it be in a second actual episode or in the same episode is is going to work itself out this week. Yeah. Interesting. If you can explain, like, what is relaxin? It's a hormone, but it's a mystery. It's a mystery. What is it? It's not a mystery. We know. We know it's a mystery it to me, kind of. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Let's talk about what relaxin is. Um, relaxin is um, a hormone in our body. It exists whether we're pregnant or not. Uh, it's just that it's most of the time barely uh, barely pre- present or barely detectable in the body. And men have it too. Uh, they just don't have as much as women. Um, in women, we do get a kind of a little like bump right after ovulation when our, when we're not pregnant. And that's just helps our uterus like get ready. But that get ready when we get pregnant doesn't stop there, right? So relaxin is circulating in our body and it has an ebb and flow cycle naturally in our body anyway. And we will see a little bit more of it when we... Uh, when when we are just past that ovulation point. So that's our normal baseline as a menstruating um, female sexed person. I did not know any of that. I'm, I'm learning so much. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Cool. So that's really interesting in itself um, and probably depends on the person uh, whether or not they even notice a change in their flexibility throughout their cycle. There's interesting things whole other topic, probably again, people that are better and more experienced with hormone stuff than me to talk about how progesterone progesterone and estrogen affect our mobility, flexibility, um, and our performance. We're still learning a lot about um, menstrual cycles or just hormone cycles in general. Again, men have these too, uh, and how it affects our performance and what we do in sport. Um, and it is very under-researched and understudied, but we're learning. Okay, cool. Hormones are cool. We have them in our body doing all sorts of things, but today, right, we're talking about relaxin. Once the body is pregnant, relaxin kind of comes up after ovulation, helps get the uterus ready in case a sperm is implanted. If that does happen, we keep our relaxin levels a little higher and we have our spike of relaxin, the highest during pregnancy is during that first trimester. So right as you find out you're pregnant, right around that time, we get that spike of relaxin that just helps our the sperm and the egg implant into the uteral wall and helps the uterus be ready and stay a little bit more relaxed as a muscle so that we don't get contractions of the uterus that kick that pregnancy out. Okay, so I was assuming that we get the highest level when we're about to have the baby, but that's wrong, huh? <laughs> We do get a second spike right around childbirth, but yeah, it's actually peak at the beginning of the pregnancy because it turns out bellies grow a lot and the uterus has to stretch a lot Uh and that stretching occurs earlier. Oh my goodness. Right? It's kind of crazy that our our bodies can accommodate all that growth and this is how. Well, and you don't even have to be a smart chick. It just happens for you. (laughs) That's what I always said. Right, exactly. You could be the dumbest girl on earth and still do this right. Sorry, I don't mean to be like putting anybody down, but it, that's how I felt too. Our bodies are smart, right? Like yeah. our bodies are smart. You don't have to be this brain smart. Your your body knows how, right? It's so cool. 
Um, and so other functional things that relaxin does besides what we see on the outside is it also gets our, our so we're stretching our uterus, we're stretching our skin, we're stretching our um, muscles, we're stretching our ligaments. Um, we're also, you remember that increase in blood volume that happens yes. during pregnancy? Our arteries have to be bigger to accommodate that. What? So our vessels actually get bigger too. Oh my goodness. So I had no idea. Super cool. There's so much change that goes on. And so relaxin is one of the most important hormones. Well, they're all important, but it's an important hormone to help the body accommodate that change. And so the things that we see as circus artists on the outside are actually like the secondary effects, the other things, the side effects of this hormone raging through our system. It's not its goal or what it's kind of aiming for. And so all that extra flexibility that we may or may not see, um, this is kind of why it's happening on the outside. With relaxant in the system, we can get excess flexibility or excess motion at all of our joints and have a little bit more flexibility that we have to almost be careful of. It's not necessarily the flexibility that uh, we're searching for. It can lead to a little more likelihood of, of injury. It also relaxes our muscles. We have that relaxing of our ligaments, relaxing of our muscles. Everything kind of melts a little bit more easily which also then can put us more at risk for groin pain or pelvic pain or even SI joint pain in the back. Um, so that like pelvic girdle pain that tends to happen during pregnancy is because everything's just a little more flexible and can be a little more of a problem because of it. Some folks, however, will almost see the opposite effect. Kind of. Like a tightening? Their bodies, yeah, their muscles and ligaments will get looser. But to counteract that, to hold themselves together, their muscles start getting tighter or feeling tighter as they're kind of contracting those muscles to try to hold their joints together. Oh, that sucks. Right. So people who are like, oh, all my muscles feel really tight. That tightness is doing you a service. It's probably trying to hold some of your joints together at the same time. So it, it might be compensating for a little bit of this excess mobility. Yeah, I had a friend who said her inner thighs after she gave birth to her first child were just tighter than she's ever felt in her life. And she was just like so astounded by it, as I was too. It's like, what's that? Yeah, so that could be two things. It could be this, where her body is floppy and those adductors, those inner thigh muscles help stabilize the pelvis a little bit. It's one of their functions. Mm -hmm. Or with her lack of abdominal control, same kind of thing. She's a little floppier in her core because her ab muscles aren't working as well. And so those inner thigh muscles squeezing together kind of create a stability across the pelvis and make up for that as well. But same idea. Okay. Yeah. And so that's kind of what happens during pregnancy. And you kind of brought it up that your friend had given birth and then this happened to her. So what happens after pregnancy? So we've got that spike in the first trimester. Everything relaxes. Wonderful, wonderful. Allows baby to grow. But we also get those side effects of our joints being a little looser and a little more mobile too. And then we have that peak right around childbirth as well um, that uh, helps prepare the body for childbirth and labor. Then once we give birth, our relaxing levels take about five to 12 months, depending on what you're looking at literature-wise, okay. uh, to go back to normal. And that may depend on whether the mom is breastfeeding or not as well. Breastfeeding may keep those levels higher so yeah, so those relaxing levels may stay elevated during breastfeeding. 
I'm not 100% sure why, but it does seem to be true. So it's another time where we really just need to be careful of our flexibilities, flexibility and our bodies during breastfeeding as well to make sure we're giving it the support and strengthening that it needs. Really, relaxing can be quite a helpful tool for our body to prepare it for each of these stages of pregnancy. We just have to be aware of what it's doing, both on the inside and the outside, to make sure our bodies, uh, our training works with our bodies at the same time. So for me, I felt the relaxed in my body, not in my joints. I didn't feel like, I was not one of those people who accessed like inches and inches more in an oversplit. I didn't have that. I'm also a very tight body. I build muscle really tight and it's not easy. Like I, I'm a body worker. I touch my friends' bodies. I'm like, oh, is this what a human's supposed to feel like? Because I am just like <laughs> a sausage of like fascia, just wound super tight. And every single time I strength train, I have to spend equal to even more time rolling and loosening. Whereas my friends strength train their muscles, you know, they rip, they put back together and they're great. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're able to build and maintain their length and, and mobility throughout the muscle. Yeah. Yeah. But I also haven't, you know, really had trouble with any dislocations. I haven't had trouble with my bones popping out or my shoulder, my shoulders feeling unstable. So I know in circuits, we're like really glorify flexibility or even a society, we really glorify flexibility, but it's so much harder to be hypermobile just to hold your body together. Yeah, and I have a couple students who are hypermobile and they are injured yep. a lot from doing things that we normally do, like the flamenco grip on silks where we're like, you know, fully rotating the shoulder and like wrapping our hand around the pole. And it's like, they struggle a lot. So with relaxin in the body, prenatal and postpartum, basically... The answer is, is that yes, it's playing a part and yes, we have to be patient. Is that like the bottom line of all of it? That's the bottom line. And it's not even, um, no, it is absolutely, it plays a part in what's going on with your body mobility wise. Patience is huge, but also just respect, um, respect for your body and what it's going through. So understanding that the mobility that you may feel like, oh, you gained an extra inch or two in your split let's not push that. Let's make sure we have the strength to maintain that range of motion because the body isn't able to support it. If it gained that rapidly, we don't have the strength and control to move there and work in that new range. And we need to make sure that there's the strength to support it, which relaxing makes it hard to do because that muscle is more flexible. And so it's just not pushing your body flexibility wise while you know your relaxing levels are high. And as you return slowly from postpartum, maybe not, you know, week six, like, oh, I'm going to do my flexibility work because that's lower impact maybe than my aerial work. It's like not necessarily true. I mean, you just like really understand what the hormones are going through in your body. I think it becomes a little bit more of an impatience or a frustration postpartum oh, yeah. that first year. I feel like women are like, I'm pregnant. My body's doing all these things. I'll have a little more grace around it. Okay, I can't do all the things. I'm a little bit more okay with that. Cut to baby's out. It's been six months. It's been eight months. It's been 15 months. And this is where we get impatient. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's so hard yeah. because there's a baby and it's amazing. And our body made that, but I should be able to go back to right to where I was, where I was. Yeah. And, and, but yeah, the patience to, to, to 
tough it out through that transition back to hopefully being ourselves again and feeling, feeling strong. Yeah. Rachel Bowman, I just recorded with her the other day and she says that now that she looks back, she went back really quickly. Even as her friend, I was like, whoa, what a rock star, you know? But, you know, she's like, wow, it was probably too quick. And now that she looks back, she's two years out and she's like, now my body's starting to feel actually like myself. Because for me, you know, like I've got friends who are in all stages. You know, one of my friends has a three and a half year old and the one that just had a baby has a five month old. And so we're kind of all comparing our flow, comparing, hey, how's your body feel at this stage and at that stage? And I have to say, I'm a really tight, tight body when it comes to fascia. Strength is really hard for me to build. I'm at about 21 months and my pelvic strength is so like a teenager. It's one day it's really cool. Next day you want to punch it in the face. <laughs> it's not consistent. It's not consistent. And I'm really like, I have to keep myself from getting too frustrated because all my students are stronger than me at this point. You know, because they're doing all the exercises that I'm making them do and I'm doing beside them, except my pelvis doesn't want to do it every single, you know, it's like whatever it wants to be that day. Yeah. And that pelvis floor, that, that abdominal, that core control is the connector. It's like how you get that energy and that work to transfer throughout the whole body that really does make a big difference in how strong you feel. But as it comes back on, you have that memory, that muscle, that muscle memory that I think we talked about last time Yeah, that, uh, that will kick in. Okay, here's a specific question because I'm kind of struggling with this. So transverse ab- ab- abdominals, which are the wrapping abdominals. How much do you see... Okay, so there's a lot of things that play a part. This is the part of our body that's stretched, number one. Also, this is the part of our body that we digest food. This is the part of our body that we need to train back to helping us just have regular function and then also do all the aerial things. Now take all those things into consideration and relax in it. And let's talk about transverse abdominus because I'm having trouble myself and I'm like, okay, is my skin just not yet? And I don't expect it to be, you know, bounced back, but is it, is it my skin? Is it that my transverse, I'm not training it correctly? Am I not training it enough? What is happening? Because I still feel like I have a combination of mom pooch and like crazy bloating because I've got digestive issues and then my abs don't want to work 100% either. Can you, can you organize those thoughts for me? <laughs> I can do my best. Some of this is definitely beyond like what I know in my scope of practice as a musculoskeletal person, but I've got some thoughts that I think do play into it. Cool. I would love to hear it. Yeah. So happy to talk about that. So yes, our abdominal canister, right? Our core muscles. Um, it's not just the transverse abdominus. It's everything from our diaphragm, our transversus abdominus, our internal and external obliques, our pelvic floor, our back musculature, all of... By the way, she's doing really cool hand motions that you guys can't see. Oh, I'm totally... Yeah, and like before, Carrie and I were like not on video, and now we are. And she doesn't know that I do this all the time. I'm like, my hands are doing all the things. But imagine a tube of toothpaste. Okay. And your pelvic floor is the cap. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> right? So if that cap is ill-fitting or um, not there, which thankfully most of us have our pelvic floor in one degree or another, um, that toothpaste isn't staying in the container terribly well. But when our diaphragm is going, so we're breathing in and out, that's, the, that's if you roll the tube down as you, know, as you use it, so you're tightening everything up. We want pressure on all sides equally. So we want the tube to get shorter. You know, like we're rolling it down as we use it. We've got the cap on, our pelvic floor is functioning. And then our abdominals and our obliques and our, and our back musculature are all kind of making up the walls of that tube of toothpaste. When those pressures all are balanced and work, we get that rigid stability that lets our whole body work better. We can transfer forces from our arms through our core into our legs. But the same goes with our digestion. If we don't have the input of those pressures, our digestive system is made to work inside those constraints. And so if our muscles aren't working well, our digestion doesn't work terribly well either. Um, so we need that all to work together and play nicely together. Then you asked about how you're training. Well, I can't see your training. We can work on that, but I can't, I, I'm not, right, right now we're on video, but I still can't see you training right now. You're right. wearing headphones, the microphone, not exactly training attire. Um, but things to consider while training because the pelvic floor is so important to this or the abdominal cancer, the core is also important is, are you breathing while you're training? If you're not breathing in and out, and holding your breath instead, those abdominal muscles aren't functioning properly. Instead, you're inflating them like a balloon to create that tension instead of allowing the muscles to contract to create that tension. Are you pushing your belly out to create tension by bearing down that may or may not come with holding breath? Same kind of thing. Mm. Um, and, you know, just that idea of um, if you're training and you're leaking urine, problem that could be due to too loose or too tight in the pelvic floor. If those muscles aren't contracting or relaxing well, that's mm. another indicator. Um, if you're gripping your jaw, that can be another indicator of stuff that's going on and creating stability from above. That like tight adductors can be creating stability from below. There's lots of ways to compensate for abdominals muscle. Abdominal muscles not working properly. That could be contributing as well. So you can't solve all my problems in five minutes. Damn it. Well, I like to try, but I think, I think I'm, I think it's a little tough. That was great because I'm like, what is happening with these abs? Okay. So that means when I train, I really need to think about my breath. Breath is a big one. I really need to think about what is the cue? The cue is when I'm about to do it, uh, concentric. So it. It depends. Whatever is the hardest thing for you, you want to be exhaling. Okay. So it will depend on your body and what's the hardest thing for you. But we also want to make sure, if we're talking just about breath and cycle, as you breathe in, your abdominals expand, your rib cage is expanding as well. As you breathe out, your abs pull in, your rib cage pulls down. That's why whatever's the hardest thing for you, that exhalation helps recruit the abdominal muscles as part of that natural process, and it makes it easier for you to move the rest of your body. I love this. And then the cue, again, for pelvic floor, 
It's inhalation is the relax. Inhalation relaxes. And then the exhalation is the contraction. Yeah. And that's kind of the rib cage for the entire abdominal cancer. Well, the rib cage comes, well, that's actually not true. (laughs) The, um, everything compresses on the exhalation, but the diaphragm actually relaxes on that exhalation. The diaphragm's weird. If I'm like (laughs) doing my, uh, straddle conditioning. Yeah. I'm off the floor, have my hands wrapped. If I want to do a, like a breath cue Mm -hmm. to do the repetitions, I'm going to go inhale as my, as I prep to go up, exhale as I do the actual straddle. So what I would recommend is starting the exhalation just before you start to do the straddle, because we want, we don't want that moment of like, uh, as you're lifting and you kind of press and go, we don't want that kind of like hold and full and like a pressure release. We want a controlled as you do the motion. Okay, so it's almost like to get real specific, I would almost yeah. go as I as I pull to go. Like yes, you want you want to initiate the exhalation that millisecond before you start going because that's going to prime your abdominal muscles to stabilize before you do the motion. Okay, and so I'm at the top of my straddle, and I'm going to take a deep breath as I let my legs go down and pull back up to it. So I'm doing a pull-up, so I'm still doing hard work, but it's not the hard work, right? Right. That's less load on the core, at least. Okay. Again, for most people, this is, we're talking about the average person and, and probably you, is the pull-up part is less load on your core, but still load on your core, definitely a contributing factor. Um, but then as you initiate the straddles, go up, you start the exhalation, go up. And then maybe even at the top of the motion, if you're doing a slow eccentric control the way down, mm-hmm. you take a deep breath start the exhalation before you lower as well oh my god have you ever said to yourself wow i was i really wish there was something this specific to talk about (laughs) (laughs) because i do i'm like man there should be a podcast where they talk about something this specific like let's just talk about breathing in every single movement and where it should happen and the thing is as it gets easier you don't have to prime the pump or prime the abs to work it just happens and they just work pr- properly. But it, as you're working to get it back, that breath component can be massively helpful. Well, Dr. April Douglas, who's my uh, pelvic floor PT, basically my, my junk down there is a little too tight. So the relaxing and the contracting doesn't really happen that naturally because it's like, I don't want to do anything. I'm too tight up here. Yeah, I'm, I'm holding it all in, guys. I got one setting and it's on. <laughs> Dr. Emerly, you're so funny. I love it. I love having you on here. Uh, It's always good to hang out with you, Carrie. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. So I really feel like this is going to be a shorty episode and it's going to be like, I want to know about that. I'm going to listen to it. It's not, we don't have to, we don't have to be like an hour. It doesn't have to be an hour. It doesn't have to be an hour. We can, we can be awesome at any height, length, width, time frame. And time frame. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very entertained. Just right now. It's amazing. Okay, Dr. Emily, always a pleasure. And um, we're so happy to have this very, 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 very specific, sports-specific information. Awesome, Carrie. It was so lovely to spend time (laughs) hanging out with you today and getting a little glimpse of your little one again. I know. She's pretty cute. She's pretty cute. 
Okay. Have a thank you for fitting me into your really busy day. I will talk to you later. Awesome. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks so much to the circus doc, Dr. Emily Sherp, for being with us today. So interesting, and I learned so much. Yes, Bean. If you go to my show notes, there's a free gift for you. I've got a free training cheat sheet for you there. Thank you to Asa Watkins for music and post-production. And if you would honor me with a five-star rating anywhere you get your podcasts, it really helps other people find us better. And let's say hi, little bean. Actually, it's time to say bye. You want to say bye? Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to the Expecting Aerialist podcast. Bye. Bye.